Welcome to the Build Podcast, a ministry of the Next Gen team of First Baptist Owasso. We believe the next generation, the children being raised right now, will change the world. They matter to God, to you, and to us. In this episode of Build, Julie Paul talks about side-by-side with special needs, the vision for the church. Every day, you can make a difference in the life of a child. You are not alone. This is Build. Welcome to our last session. Um, We've been talking about special needs today, and um, our session three is going to be about um, every person's deepest need, and it's Christ's call to the church to witness, disciple, and serve. And we're going to talk about how this includes our brothers and sisters with special needs. So um, before we start, I just want to pray for us, if that's okay. Um, and just start there. Dear Lord, we just thank you again for the time that you've given us today. We just thank you for the fellowship that we have in you, dear Lord. And we thank you that um, your word is good and that it is full and that it is sufficient for everything that we need, Lord. We thank you for giving it to us. It is a blessing. It is um, life and breath to us, Lord. And we just pray that we would honor you and glorify you as we speak and as we fellowship and as we talk together about um what you've called us to do, dear Lord, as your as your children. Um, we just pray that we would proclaim your fame and that um, we would just love you um, as you deserve to be loved, Lord. We just pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, we're going to talk a little bit today about um, the church. So in our last two sessions, we've talked about um, why we should care about special needs. We've talked about um, how we can... Uh, fellowship with families um, and persons with special needs. And now we're going to really dive into um, why as a church we need to, this needs to be important to us and it needs to be at the forefront actually of what we're doing. Um, So first of all, I just want to talk about what are the needs that are so special. Um, They really are not as special as you would think. Um, They are the same as every other um, child with special or with, with needs. Um, Myself, I'm Julie Paul, and I'm the executive director at Kingsgrove School, and um, my husband and I have four children, um, and we have a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 3-year-old, and our 8-year-old has severe autism, and our 3-year-old is on the spectrum, and um, what we want uh, for our 17 and 16 year old, we want for our eight year old and our three year old. Um, we want them to love the Lord. We want them to serve the Lord. We want them to know the Lord and we want them to fellowship with their community, their family and their, and their friends. Um, so to get them to that point, they have certain needs. They need to know the Lord. They need, um, wisdom and godly guidance from us. They need their basic needs met, which is food and water and all the good stuff. They need parenting. They need discipline. Um, The needs of our neurotypical kids versus our kiddos with special needs are not different as far as content, but they are different as far as quantity goes. Um, And that's what I'm saying here is the needs of of children with special needs are chronic. Um, So, for instance, our son, who's 17, who we had to teach him how to um, watch out for cars, how to um, not put his hand on the stove, those types of things, he was able to learn that within a year. Um, Our eight-year-old, we are still trying to teach that to him. They were talking about potty training earlier today. Um, Families with special needs, that is a chronic thing that they go through. Um, They are still working on that, um, sometimes even into 
teenage years. Um, and also these needs are magnified. Um, we all have the need for a sense of security. We all have the need for a sense of um, having our mind be at a restful place, to have our body feel like it's at a restful place. We all do certain things um, to help us navigate through the world when we're in a a room that's full of people and it's a little overwhelming and it's smelly and it's hot. Um, we work our way through the room and we acclimate our senses and our minds so that we can handle that type of an environment. Um, we have certain ticks that we do when I'm nervous. I'll rub my arm right or my uh, neck right there. My son, who's eight, when he's nervous, he jumps up and down and flaps and yells really loud. Um, we're both meeting the same need. We just do it a lot differently, and his is really magnified because it's loud. <laughs> um, but those are the needs that are so special. Um, and um, our church is, I, I really do believe, and once again, this is a Juliaism, so don't take this for anything more than that, that um, the Lord seems to be awakening our nation to the fact that special needs persons are a a part of his body and be that they have been marginalized to a point that is not satisfying to him. Um, so whenever he does that, he lovingly corrects his people and he disciplines them and he makes them aware of what's going on so that we come back into alignment with how he wants us to act and live um, for his glory. Um, so there's just just a few things. Um, you know, we're here for a parenting conference today. Um, and the majority of people out here are wanting to go see what they can do with their teenagers. I know I would be going to the teenage one if I wasn't teaching here. <laughs> we would be going to um, to the one about adult children. You know, we all have these different roles to meet, and you see that there's so many families here with neurotypical children. There are a lot of families with special needs children. There are 9.4 million special needs children in the United States. There are 230,000 in Oklahoma. There are 11,525 children in Owasso with special needs. 11,000. There are 1,000 children with special needs, or 1,000 families with special needs that have special needs. There are a lot of churches in Owasso, but I counted them up. And there would be over 180 families with special needs in each church if we were serving our special needs community. 180 in each church. The church I go to has four. <laughs> this is an unreached people group in our community. And it's in a, this is just Owasso, and that is just Owasso proper. That does not include Collinsville or Sperry or Claremore or Rogers County. It doesn't. Um, 85% of families with children with special needs do not attend church, and they are two times more likely not to make it to church. And so the question is why? Why is that? Some of it is because they are not Christ followers. They do not know the Lord, so they do not pursue that. Okay? All of those, the statistics that I just laid out, they are not all believers. Okay? So obviously that's why some of them aren't in church, just because they don't feel the need to be there. Um, but there are some that do. And so why are they not there? They're not there because they feel like they're an inconvenience. They feel like there's not the proper equipment or 
programs in place to meet the needs of their children and it is hard for them to get there as a family and so they're doing basically the same thing at church that they do at home but they're doing it in an unfamiliar and hostile environment to their child so it really is just much easier to stay home and listen on podcast or on tv that's why they're not here so what do we as a church do about this what do we do well it really isn't rocket science we don't need to build a special wing for special needs we don't need to hire a bunch of special needs therapists and speech therapists and occupational therapists and teachers and those types of things what we need to do is we need to look to the word that's all sufficient that encompasses and gives us wisdom for every single need that we have here and surely the Lord gave us the information that we need here in his word to be able to take care of our brothers and sisters with special needs in their families. I think it does. So that's what we're going to look at today. What is the church's role for persons with disability? So in session one, um, if you were here with us, we talked about um, the case for why we should care about special needs. And it boiled down to this which really I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. And it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. The Jews, the Greeks, the slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. For if the whole body were an eye, where would it be, where would it be the sense of its hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be its sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the whole body, each of its members, just as he would choose. I love that part. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so comprised the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that all the members may have the same care for one another. We need to let that sink in, that all the members may have the same care for one another. For if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That's why. That's why we care is because God said that we're all equal under Christ. If we are in Christ, if we are believers in Christ, if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm talking about God's full church, not First Baptist of Owasso or any church that you go to, then we as a church body are called to fellowship, to serve, worship, and praise with other members of the body. So the spiritual needs of a person with special needs, they are not special. Their physical needs may be different, but their spiritual needs are exactly the same as ours. And that's what gives us commonality and common ground. They need to have the gospel shared with them so that they can come to know the Lord and his good, good work of salvation. They need to 
to be discipled. They need to learn the word so that they can apply it to their lives. They need to serve the Lord because he's called us all to serve. They need to worship the Lord because he's called all of us to praise his great name. And they need to fellowship with each other in the body because he's called all of us to be with each other and not be of the world, but to be of Christ. So with that in mind, we're looking at who are our brothers and sisters with special needs. And first of all, they're all made in his image. We all came through Adam, even our brothers with special needs and our sisters with special needs. In Genesis 1:27, it said God created man in his image and in the image of God, he created him. It does not say God created all neurotypical man in his dimension. He created a neurotypical man. It is all of us. It's everyone who has been blind or sick or lame or cognitive disability or autism or anybody else. We're all created in God's image. Sin came into the world through Adam, and now we have disease. And part of that is disability. And until the Lord comes back, we will have that here. But it does not make our brothers and sisters with disability any less unique in Christ. It does not make them any less worthy of hearing the gospel. Um, in Romans 5:12, it says sin came through Adam to us all, um, and that is something to remember. When Adam sinned for the very first time, bummer, he was our head. He was the very first man that God decided to create. So what he did, it's going to affect all of us, and it affects my son Jesse, who's eight years old with nonverbal autism. He is a sinner because he is a man. He is a, a person on this world, and so he has a sin nature just like I have a sin nature. And he is in need of redemption because he cannot save himself. Um, so therefore, it brings us to our next point, which is what is our greatest need? Once again, we're looking at our commonality together in the church. Um, this is why we want to bring families and persons with special needs in is because we have this commonality that we're all sinners. And that we all need grace and we need salvation. So our greatest need, my greatest need, that I am destined for hell. I am destined for an eternity of torment and separation from God unless Christ calls me to his own and saves me with his blood and his redemptive work. Headed there. And he did. Praise the Lord. My son, who is eight years old and beautiful and is the little boy on that back table looking out that window so precious and sweet, he is destined for hell and eternal damnation unless the, he decides that he is going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. He needs the gospel just like I do. That is our greatest need. That is his greatest need. And that is the greatest need of every single person with disability out there. And those thousand plus children with special needs here in our community, they need to hear the gospel. They need the gospel because they need to be saved from their sins. So disability can do plenty. Okay. It can help us um, see life in a better perspective. If you have a a child with special needs um, or a family member with special needs and you spend time with them and you're loving them and you're in, you are uh, have a relationship with them, you know that you have a whole new perspective on life. Um, it is precious. Our son Jesse has showed us how to slow down. He has showed us how to be calm in a stressful situation. He has showed us how to see the intricate detail of God's creation. He loves to be outside, and he loves trees, and he loves grass, and he loves water, and he loves the movement of water. And we'll just sit and watch a waterfall sometimes, or we'll just sit and watch the 
wind blow through trees. I mean, it's actually quite beautiful and glorious sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Um, And it's precious. So he gives us so much um, through his perception of life. But um, so it can give us a lot of things. It can give us perspective. It gives us opportunities to minister. It gives us opportunities to see Christ um, through the way that Jesse loves us unconditionally. But it cannot purify a person born in sin. And we really need to remember that because there is a danger of sentimentalizing persons with special needs. And we do it here in our country because we see works and we see the way a person acts as justification for why we should go to heaven. And that is not what the Bible says. Christ is the only way. He's the truth and the life. He's the only way we're going to get there. And that's what they need. Um, so because of that, we as a church need to be careful of that. When we see our brothers and sisters with special needs, um, we need to treat them just as we would any other person coming in. We want to share the gospel with them. We want to fellowship with them. And then we want to disciple them. Um, we want to share the greatest joy, which is the gospel. Um, so this is a question I get all the time. And so we're going to we're going to camp out here for just a minute or two. And it is what about cognitively challenged people? What if they can't understand? How do we know? How do we know we're getting through? Um, eight, Romans 8, 28, 26 through 30 has been one of my favorite passages for all of my life. And I never really fully understood. We had Jesse. But it says this, it says, in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. We can just kind of stop right there. We don't know how to pray as we should. Neurotypical or non-neurotypical, we really don't know how to pray so that we are offering up a prayer that is worthy to the Father, to the Lord of all creation. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind what mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we can stop there. If we are sharing the gospel as Christ commanded us in the, in the great commission, okay, to go out and share the gospel to all, all the nations, um, with special needs, including our persons with special needs, we don't have to worry about if it's getting there or not because Right there it says that he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God is going to work out that salvation. He is going to take that seed that we planted and he is going to grow it into the mature tree of grace, of salvation through grace and faith that he wants it to be. And this is how we know is because of the last part, which we all know this part is. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, who were called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined, and those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is a tricky verse, okay? It's talking about election here, and people, some people are, think that that's what it is, and some people don't. I'm going to lay this out there once again. You don't have to agree with me. If it was up to us, our works or us saying the right prayer, my son Jesse would never, ever, ever make it to heaven. 
he couldn't. There is not a verse in here that talks about people with different needs that there's an exception there. It is not in the Bible. I have looked for it. It is not there. I've asked many, many, many men much smarter than me and much better theologians than I am because I am not one um, about this. It is not there. So we know that the Lord predestined those and those he predestined, he called and those he called, he justified and those he justified, he glorified. That means that the Lord works out salvation for our brothers and sisters with special needs who do not have the cognitive or the intellectual ability to work it out on their own. I don't know how he does it. I don't understand the calling or the election because we're supposed to go and share the gospel with everyone. So that does not negate our need to be able to share the gospel. We do not understand the mind of Christ. I sure don't understand it in his great wisdom. Somehow he weaves all this together. So I don't want to discuss election here. But I do want to assure you that whenever you share the gospel with your brothers and sisters with special needs, the Lord will take that sharing and he will make that evident in their lives. That's why we share the gospel. So when we talk about about cognitively challenged people, that's a verse that we can bank on. We can we can know that that's right. And it says here that we're equal in Christ. Um, I'm sorry, I just lost my place. There we go. That God's sufficient is for all people. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Paul was talking about the thorn in his flesh there. He was talking about how it was really hard for him. And God said, look, I've given this to you. And just trust me that I'm going to give you what you need. And I'm going to be glorified in your weakness. So once again, he's taking care of all of that with our, with our um, special needs brothers and sisters. And then... The question is, how are we to do this for and in our church? And Matthew 28, 18 talks about that. Um, where did I put that? Let me see my place. Oh, it's the Great Commission. That's how we're supposed to do it. There we go. Um, that all authority has been given in heaven and earth, and go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you even into the end of the age. So we know right there that's how we do it. We're going to go and we're going to share the gospel with people, and then we're going to disciple them, and then we're going to fellowship with them so that we can do all of those things. So what does that look like? What is the practical steps? We're preparing for our true life in eternity. That's what we're really preparing for. So we're teaching and sharing the gospel. What are the practical steps of that? That's what we're going to kind of talk about the rest of the way through here. Um, there are several different ideas that people have for churches. Um, so many people are doing so many different things, and it's really good. Um, here in just a few minutes, I'm going to sit, and we're going to talk with Laura Hinkeline, who um, her husband is a pastor at Discovery Bible here. They have a son with special needs, and so and they do some things there. We do some things at our church, and some things are already being done here. But um, it doesn't have to be a full-blown program. What our family looking for is they're looking for fellowship. They're looking for togetherness. So a sensory room is great. A buddy system is great. Another church that's here locally does this. They assign a family, neurotypical family, to their special needs family. And so that's just the family that walks alongside them. Um, they get together for meals. They get together for fellowship. And they sit together on the same row and on the same pew so that their children with special needs who need to walk side by side, 
they're able to do that without worrying that they're going to bother the person who came in late, who's a, um, a visitor that day, and um, they're going to be scared off or something like that. Um, those special needs families walk alongside with them. And then if their child is at a point or their adult is at a point where they just kind of can't take it in the, in the uh, sanctuary that day, then they take turns taking that child out just for a break or for that whole time so that the parents can be able to glean the wisdom that's being taught from the pulpit. Um, they assign certain people to be sure that there are proctors or that there are buddies or mentors for moms that have children with special needs or adults with special needs so that they can attend Bible study together. They take one Friday a week where the youth and the young adult come in um, together and they have a respite night on a Friday night and a Saturday night. They do both nights so that the parents can get one in or both in. They can take advantage of both if they want to, but they do it once a month so that those parents can have time to be together, to take a nap, to be with their other kids, go to the grocery store. I don't know, whatever they need to do. Those are some tangible things that they can do. But during that time, Whenever those families are together or when those buddies are together or when those volunteers are together or at respite, it's not just a time of babysitting. There is intentionality there. They're seeing love poured into them. As they're fellowshipping, those volunteers are talking about Christ. They're talking about the Bible. There's a Bible story that's taught in a way that they can understand it, that they can engage in, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or whether it's in a small group. And it is all the time. So they know whenever they send their kids there, it's not a time of babysitting. It's actual intentionality that the gospel is being shared there. And the other one is discipling. This is tough. How do you disciple children with special needs? How do you do that? You do it the same way that you do anyone else. You get with them one-on-one. -on -one. You have a time where you just go through something. Maybe it's the fruits of the Spirit. Maybe you're just talking through a psalm. Maybe you're just walking through um, the Ten Commandments. Anything like that. You take something that's elementary that you would teach maybe you know, to a Sunday school class or things like that in children's church, and you break it down for those students in a way that they can understand. It's really simple, but also that's age-appropriate to them. So, But this takes time. So that's, that's the next thing is we're doing this now and we're doing it for eternity. We're doing serve and be served in practical steps. What does this mean? This is where it comes in. People who engage with families of special needs, they are, they are deciding that they are going to spend their time giving to basically putting, putting stock in their bank for eternity. Okay, because this is time-consuming work. Once again, if we go back to our, what are our special needs, they're chronic. They're a lifetime. Okay, so my son who's eight that my, our church ministers to, he, unless the Lord moves us, he will be an adult at Bible Church of Owasso. He is going to be there. He is going to sit in service, Lord willing, because he doesn't right now. <laughs> But he's going to sit in service. He is going to need to serve. He is going to need to do something in the church that is um, serving the other brothers and sisters around him. Okay? And if my husband and I are not there at that point in time, whether our other children go there or not, if my son Jesse is going there, then he is going to need to be ministered to and he is going to need to minister and somebody's going to have to show him the way. That is a lifetime commitment for a church. And so you can't just have one or two families that are committed to special needs to do that because their seasons of life are going to change too. 
I mean, they are. We've had volunteers for our for our son, Jesse, since he was three years old. And in that five years, we have had two families that have been with us longer than two years serving as volunteers or things like that. It is not that those those people don't love him. They do. But life happens. Things come up. And so this is not those who are just called to special needs ministry, like you're called to go to Africa. Okay? This is something that it's part of the body of church or part of the body of Christ. You're not going to say to your widows, or you're not going to say to your women's group, or you're not going to say to your children's service, oh, you know what, we're just really tired of doing children's church. We're just not going to do it this year. Or, oh, you know, we're, we're really tired. We really don't have enough people to do a widow's ministry, so you guys are on your own this year. you know. Or, um, oh, you know what, I know you really need counseling because you're marriage is falling apart but wow I've just been doing this for two years now and I'm the only one to do it so I'm going to have to go ahead and call it off no we would never just assign one family to do children's ministry or two families to do you know widow care or those types of things our whole church is involved and we want our whole church to be involved because our persons with special needs they need that community they need the full community of our church because if we go back to first corinthians we see that they are part of the body of christ and that ear needs that eye and that nose needs that hand and we all need our feet so i mean we need all of it and they're esteemed by christ so in saying that as we look down here um there's different ways that we can serve we can serve two persons with special needs that I just talked about. And you can look more at the scripture that I put down there, but I don't want to take the time to read it because we're kind of getting into time. But we can also serve alongside persons with special needs because they are called to the same service that we are called to. Jesse is called, if he is in Christ, he is called to serve the Lord just like I am called to serve the Lord. When a new family comes into your church, we take them and we kind of show them the ropes for a little bit. We say, here's, here are the things that we do here. You know, let us help get you involved. Let us invite you here. Let us do this so that they can get acclimated and then they can go on their own. That is the same thing with special needs. We're going to get them acclimated. But that time of acclimation is going to be a lot longer. But eventually they will be able to do those things on their own. They will be able to do that. And so if the Lord's called us to do that, which you read about in 1 Corinthians, let's, let's look at how we do that. First, we have the application part of serving. Um, we have to know the need. We have to show our brothers and sisters what the need is. Okay, so we have to show them, you know what? We have a real need here of being in our children's church and making sure that all of our equipment here is put away as it should be at the end of the day. Can you help us with that? So we show that to them. And then we follow through in making sure that we're being there or assigning people to help them with that. Um, We don't assume that they don't know how to do things. If we get there and they're struggling with that, we will bring a buddy along or somebody to help with that. But eventually, given time, they'll learn how to do those types of things. Right now, my husband is an usher at our church. And so he is teaching Jesse, our eight-year-old, how to be an usher, how to hand right now just as the greeter part. So he's handing out pamphlets, which is, I mean, it's comedy at this point in time, because most of it is Jeff just bringing Jesse back, because he's a runner. He's off and going. He doesn't stand still, ever. Miss Laura is his teacher, and she knows he's a shark. 
it is going to take probably a year <laughs> at least to get Jesse to the point where he can do that. But my husband is invested in him because he wants him to learn how to serve others. We're trying to teach Jesse how to sit in church service right now. And um, we are probably about three to four years out on that. Right now we've gone from not being able to be in there at all from a major meltdown, actually not even be able to get to church. We would pass by the first bank of Owasso where they had that waterfall and Jesse would immediately go into a panic attack. We're able to come to church. We go to Sunday school now. We go into church service. He sits through the singing. He's now standing in the singing. And just this last year, he has worked his way up through the scripture reading and the prayer. We're done. We're done by that time. Okay. It's taken four years to get there. So for him to be able to sit through a sermon, and our sermons are long, <laughs> long, <laughs> um, it's probably going to take another four. But we're invested in that. And do you know what? The people in our church are invested in that, too. So we have, a, we have somebody who sits by us. We have a family who sits by us. And if they see that Jesse's not making it, then they take him out. And somebody new is there every month to do those things. Those are just the things that we need to do, people serving us, but us showing them how to serve others. Um, the other thing is um, it talks about being served. So we're talking about helping our brothers and sisters be served, but our families, our families want to serve. Our special needs families want to serve as well. They want to, um, they want to be a part. So don't assume that there's too much on their plate. Don't assume that there's too much going on in their life to be a part of doing that. Um, give them the opportunities to do that and then also help them do that. Um, for a long time, I used to teach Sunday school at our church. And when Jesse came along, I wasn't able to do that. So somebody asked if we would do Sunday school. And I said, I would love to do it, but somebody's going to have to be a one-on-one with Jesse. And that's what started our volunteer program there. If somebody served Jesse so I could serve somebody else. That's just the way it works. But that's the body working together. That's where the ear needs the eye, needs the nose, needs the... Um, so anyway, I'm going to go ahead and skip down because I want to get to some other things with Laura. But um, just use each other's strengths. See what their strengths are. It just takes time and fellowship together. Um, and then share that joy together. That's the thing about serving is... It creates the joy that surpasses all, the peace that surpasses all understanding and the joy of being in fellowship in the body of Christ. We are going to have that joy and that peace when we get to heaven in fullness. But right now we can have it here and we have it amongst ourselves, but we can have it with our brothers and sisters who have special needs. So I just encourage you all to think through some of these things um, and see how you can apply that to your own church. And then the last thing I want to finish with is that um, we are all equal in Christ on earth. Um, and spiritual, but not in our body. But we are on our way there. And so I'm going to finish with this verse here, which says this. Um, it says, um, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, transform the body of our humble state in, into conformity with the body of his glory, and by the exertion of the power that he has, even to subject all things to himself. All of our bodies are in a humble state. We are all decaying. We are all dying. We are all headed for death. Even our brothers with special needs, brothers and sisters with special needs. But so all of us have subpar bodies. It's just a matter of when they're going to get there. Um, my grandfather had Alzheimer's. So my son, Jesse, 
he he was a really neat man his whole life and then Alzheimer's overtook his mind and my son Jesse now has more ability cognitively than he had in his in his later later stages of life we all are going to have at some point in time some sort of disability we all are going to have at some point in time some special need and so praise God that when he comes back we will all be on level playing field we will all have glorified bodies along with a glorified spirit that's perfect to worship him and serve him together. So if we're doing that together in eternity forever, shouldn't we be doing that here now with our brothers and sisters in Christ? We should. The Lord says that we should. And if we're not, we're really missing out. So I'm going to turn this off. Thanks for listening to Build. Our desire is to walk with you. We hope the episode helps you better understand your kids and engage with them more intentionally. The Build Conversation never ends. Visit fbcowasso.org to stay connected and discover an incredible community of people who are on this journey together. We look forward to building an incredible story with you.